the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham, and you're listening to 960 The Patriot, and Seth is not here today, so I'm filling in, and we've got a great guest with us, a friend and somebody that's been leading, and we've all seen him, Attorney General Mark Burnovich. Mark, how are you, sir? Oh, Robert, I'm doing great. Great talking to you, bro. Hey, you as well. I mean, you've been shaking it up a little bit. We've we've all seen you, and we're all proud of you, what you're doing, and and there is no, I mean, you have a lot of opposition right now, and it's been wild and crazy to watch the way the federal government's responding to you on a number of different fronts. And then, obviously, you're fighting hard in some of the things that I was involved with back with the 2305 and the ballot harvesting and all that crazy stuff. So how are you weathering? Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for asking. A lot of times I feel like, you know, Luke Skywalker in the Death Star, you know, where you're going in there and I got to you know, drop that bomb down the trash chute and, uh, you know, getting all this fire from all over and, the, you know, the, all the, the Empire fighters. And so um, it's been, you know, tough. But I also feel like, you know, and Robert, you know, I mean, these are moments that for years, this, I'm not like some fair weather or sunshine conservative. For years, I've been talking about federalism, pushing back mm-hmm. against the federal government. And so this is something our office has done, has been prepared for. And whether it was immigration, whether it was the attempt by the Biden administration to stop states from cutting taxes. And, you know, now they're trying to micromanage our state elections, not only here, but all over the country. Uh, you know, I'm ready to take them on and with the tools I have, and that includes suing them. So with with that, H.R. 1, we're seeing this happen. We, we see Garland's letter coming out saying he's going to def- he's going to push back on states that try to limit people's rights. And this is a terrifying. I mean, we on the heels of the 2020 election where there was a lot of uh, accusation of fraud, and we're seeing as these audits kind of work themselves out in different places. But now you get to the point, we live in a state where you have this big uh, onslaught of illegal immigration and people, and you just feel it more, I think, when you're when you're a border state like this. But it, it's terrifying what's happening. And, you know, what's happening from your viewpoint? I know you're in the middle of this fight, and just to share it with our listeners. Yeah, Robert, we've done, you know, we've done several things. And, you know, a lot of times, especially the local media doesn't cover the stuff we're doing, but you know, frankly, we've been and I've been a national leader in trying to make sure we have integrity in our elections. And so even this last year during 2020, there were half a dozen times where our office had to get involved in election-related cases because other people wouldn't, including people, quite frankly, that were tasked legally to defend the law. So, you know, there was issues related to, you know, trying to get electronic signatures, uh, allow those for, you know, qualifications of ballots. We went to federal court, state court stopped that. You may have recalled when they tried to extend the curing period for ballots, like kind of what happened in Pennsylvania where it was all slipshod and all over the place. Well, we went into federal court and stopped that from happening in Arizona. People may recall we stopped Fontes from mailing out ballots to everyone, whether they yeah. wanted them or not. Um, in the presidential preference primary. And of course, the big case, there's a case right now, this month, a couple, next week or two, Supreme Court's going to decide, which I personally argued called Bernovich v. DNC. And it's named after me because we got involved and we stepped in to defend just what you alluded to earlier, Robert, the restri- uh, restrictions on ballot harvesting and the making sure that people vote in the precinct they're assigned because it's consistent with state law. So 
We all recognize how important the right to vote is. We want everyone to exercise their franchise, but we also need to remember that we want to make sure every vote counts and no votes that shouldn't count don't count. You know, it's interesting you, you say that. And the other thing for listeners to hear this, this is not just a little casual battle. This has been going on for some time. And the other reality is there were a whole bunch of states that were sued by the DNC, the DCCC, all these groups came at Bernie, Hillary, everybody came after all of us. And we are one of the only states that actually fought back. And we've actually done well. We're fighting back and we're winning. Yeah. And um, and these other states just laid down. And, and many of them just did. They said they didn't have the budget to fight or what have you. And these are Republican lawmakers that just took a backseat, just kind of let it pass. And um, and now they're feeling it. And and so anyways, what do you have? To, I mean, when, thinking about that. Yeah, you've been in this. Hey, yeah, you know, Robert, I think it's the old uh, adage that uh, Sun Tzu said every battle is won and lost sports ever fought. And. The left is making a systematic attempt to nationalize and federalize everything. Now, you and I can talk about this probably for hours, and this is all part of that ideology about concentrating power in the hands of Washington, D.C. And one of the ways they need to or want to do that is by undermining the state's control over its own elections. They want to nationalize everything. And so, you know, we've seen there's a proposal, H.R. 1, there's Senate Bill 1, which Schumer's pushing, that would basically federalize and centralize every election process and essentially force unconstitutional mandates on the states and essentially implement the worst election rules from 2020. And I would submit to you and all the listeners that what that is designed to do is to basically create a permanent Democratic majority because there's all sorts of parts of HR1 and S1 that would restrict the ability of people to, uh, you know, uh, contribute and be involved in political speech. It also would give elected officials, members of Congress, like a six-to-one match on certain donations, but then it bans voter ID laws. And so there are all sorts of common-sense election integrity measures that the states are doing that are going to be wiped out by Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. And just related to this, Robert, you know I'm running for the Senate, and I'm not here to talk about the Senate race, but I keep thinking to myself, Barry Goldwater, you know, the mm-hmm. person that talked about federalism and pushing back against the federal government, the conscious of conservatives, is rolling over his grave to think that that we're going to have senators that want to support a nationalization, a federalization of elections. I just think that's abhorrent to, you know, Arizona values and everything, you know, we've stood for traditionally here. It's terrifying. But if you know, and then you watch the concerted effort from the left. See, this is where I wish the right would get more organized because you're out there as a strong voice shaking it up. I was in D.C. this last week and I was watching YouTube videos. Our family watches America's Got Talent, stuff like that. And we were in a hotel room watching this and the commercial breaks. One was Schumer. One was Nancy Pelosi, and it's all and a couple other lawmakers on the left, and they come out and they're saying, "Hey, this is racist, 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 racist." It's just stifling the vote, and they're they're doing actually a really good job in messaging their side. They're making it sound like these republic, the draconian Republicans, are just trying to take away anybody's right to vote. And I got to tell you, they're doing a good job with the messaging, and that's gonna that's where they pick up some of the the population and the yeah. and the people. And, and that's why Robert, it's so important for us, as you just alluded to, to push back because let's look at what happened in Georgia. You know, and I think everyone you know listening probably knows that you know in Georgia they're going to have more voting options than they do in places or hours than they do like in places like Delaware, where Biden's from, and you know places like Michigan don't even have no absentee voting. So it's, there's this whole hypocrisy on the left, and in Democratic states they are actually more restrictive of voting, mm-hmm. and then they claim it's racist, they claim it's undermining you know, the, the ability of people to vote. But the reality is that it's not only protecting the right to vote, but they define it. And in Georgia, for example, you know, frankly, I think 
they did a poor job. For two weeks, they let the left set the narrative. And, you know, that, of course, then you had all these woke corporations weighing in. And then at that point, you know, there was so much momentum and it's been defined. And that's the problem is common sense election integrity measures are not racist. And we, our side needs to push back every time the mainstream media tries to portray them as that. Yeah, it's interesting because controlling the narrative is it. On the 2305, remember when it went through and went through election committee here before it passed as a bill. And in the committee hearing, it was pretty remarkable because they were saying it was it was it was engineered to stop the minorities. Well, the majority of the people that actually testified in that committee hearing were from various minority communities, tribal communities, African-American, Asian, Latino communities. And all of them were in favor of stopping ballot harvesting and such. And they were saying this is crazy. People take advantage of our communities. And so when you really actually hear the voice and you control the narrative of the communities impacted, they're in support of having great laws that protect their civil liberties. And this this is it. And um, but again, you're right. Far too often, the left sets the narrative, and then we have to play defense. We're never on the offense. We're always playing defense, and you just can't ever catch a breath when you're playing defense the whole time. That's right, and that's why, yeah, we need to uh, – look, we, you and I know this. We've talked about it, that when we have officials and candidates that articulate and defend our principles, we win. I mean, mm-hmm. Arizona is still – you know, you got that great Barry Goldwater streak, and – but that's the key, though. We need to make sure that we're not apologizing. And as you just alluded to, the testimony that we had, there was a 10-day trial at Brnovich VDNC on the ballot harvesting, uh, that the left wants unlimited ballot harvesting, allowing third parties, including candidates and parties, to control the ballots. Uh, you know, we won. We, there was a 10-day trial in federal court. We won. It wasn't until it got to the Ninth Circuit, got overturned, and that's why I took it to the Supreme Court. So, you know, we're right on that. We're right on the facts. And, you know, if you look at it, you know, historically, I mean, when a lot of times the left will be like, oh, this is all, you know, designed to suppress voters. It's not true. I mean, in 2018, there was a congressional seat in North Carolina that remained vacant for almost a year because one of the candidates engaged in ballot harvesting and threw out ballots that, you know, weren't in favor of him. And and so this stuff's not theoretical. It has happened before. It happens. And, And we've seen it here. Again, this is Robert Graham. We've got Attorney General Mark Burnovich joining us here. We've got just about a minute left, Mark. And I know you're busy, busy, busy. Anything you'd like to, I mean, you're, you're, you're smashing back on the feds as, as it relates to this audit as well. And um, so we appreciate protecting our state and doing what you can to, to protect all of us. And so thank you for Well, thank you very on. much. People can always find out what I'm doing. Bruno for AZ.com is, you know, our website. Go to there, find out all the great stuff we're doing. So thank you, Robert. Hey, you got it, Mark. Thanks a lot for being here. Okay, you heard it, uh, Attorney General Mark Burnovich, and we were just talking about finding information on candidates. So Berno, uh, for az.com, I believe is the website. You can look up Mark Burnovich for Senate, and I'm sure you'll find your way to his domain. Again, it's Robert Graham. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham. You are listening to 960 The Patriot. We just had Attorney General Mark Burnovich on with us and talking about some of the battles he's in the midst of. And one of them was the Burnovich versus the DNC, which is a big one. That is one that I was involved with when I was chairman of the Republican Party in the 2016 election cycle. There was a law passed, 2305, that basically made it illegal to harvest ballots. And I'll explain that a little bit more detail to you. And if you live in a precinct and you're a precinct voter, you had to vote in your precinct. 
quite honestly, that's the most convenient voting that you can do if you live in your same-day type of voter. So it's just puzzling to me a little bit. I was online, and I'm reading some of the opposition's positions on this, and this is some of the stuff that we heard during this time. There's this website, I I, I don't know if it's Oyez, Brnovich versus Democrat National Party, and they, they do facts of the case, and they kind of go through all of this. Now, it's interesting, when they talk about the ballot harvesting, if you're not familiar with that, we would have people show up to precincts, no kidding, with clear trash bags, some trash bags that weren't clear, boxes with hundreds, if not thousands of ballots that they would just drop on. So somebody was driving around, and they were going to certain people's homes, and there was a guy named Randy Perez who was an activist in this world and got paid hefty sums of money to organize people to go out and, quite honestly, in some cases, intimidate people in giving their ballots. So they'd show up on people's doorsteps and say, hey, I'm here to pick up your ballot. And they did not have any credentials, and they didn't have anything on them. And they would say, I'm here to pick up your ballot. Well, I just got it in the mail. Yep, we're here to pick it up for you and deliver it for you. Well, I don't even know who to vote for. Well, here you are. They pull out a sample ballot that they had pre-filled out and hand it to them and say, you can go review this, fill it out. We'll wait here until you're done. Sometimes people say, who are you? And then they would take their handheld device, maybe it's a tablet or a phone or something, and turn it and show them the face or the cover sheet on their phone and say, is this you? Yes, that's me. Well, I'm here to pick up this ballot from you. So that would give you the feeling of something called substantial authority where somebody think, okay, these guys, they have an official thing. They've got all my information there on the phone. So they might, must be. So they go back in there with a sample ballot and just kind of crank it out and do it. Didn't they research what have you, they hand it over. So I got that, that sample that I just, that experience I just share with you is from Michael Johnson, who served on the Phoenix city council for many years, a former a retired police officer. I believe he's on a parole board here. He also um, is a Democrat, registered Democrat, black citizen of our great state and somebody that is a community activist to the nth degree and one of my favorite humans on earth. And he got up there and testified. That was the experience. Somebody showing up on his porch, front porch, doing that, knocking his door, doing that. And he said, get out of here. He told him to go away. It happens in the largely Asian communities. It happens in Hispanic communities, happens in our tribal communities, what have you. And so what happens? Let's just say it's not fraud. Let's just say somebody loses your ballot because they're picking up thousands. Have your civil liberties been violated? Absolutely they have. Okay, you made the choice to give it to them, so you're accountable for that. Okay, but these other people, you have this belief that somehow they're credentialed enough to be doing this for you and to drop them off. One of the arguments the left has been having says, oh, for years uh, Arizona's been allowing people to do this, and there's no significant fraud that people can point to. Well, let me tell you something. There are cases and cases and cases. If you look through Arizona Republic's archives and such, where they will find thousands and hundreds of ballots in fields, in trash cans, in dumpsters and such, and there's no fingerprints, there's no person that they have, there's no perpetrator that's done it. And so we don't have any way to say fraud or what have you. Also, there were no laws against ballot harvesting. Okay, so how do you convict people? They keep saying this. Despite no evidence of any fraud and long history of third-party ballot collection in Arizona, Republican legislators passed this bill, 23, uh, 2023, which criminalized the collection of delivery of another person's ballot. Well, guess what? There were no laws to convict people of fraud, but this was happening, okay? And also what you're trying to do is manage the integrity of the ballot. One person, one vote sounds like a pretty smart theme 
to have, right? One person, one vote. So they could still have people in their homes deliver the ballots. So if you if you couldn't get there and you you hand it off to your wife or your significant other, somebody in the home, a caregiver, the post office, I mean the postmaster, the post delivery person had to be defined because they're another person that would be carrying ballots. That's it. Why do you need other people to do it? Do you pay your electric bill? I mean, do you have a phone bill that comes in the mail? Do you pay other bills in the mail? Well, you and guess what? This is posters paid. You just fill it out, put it back in an envelope, and send it back out. So if you have the capabilities of doing the other, then there's no limitation here. If nothing else, it protects the integrity of the vote, and that should be the mission of every single American. This went through the Ninth Circuit. The Ninth Circuit actually ruled in our favor. And then this the, the um, senior justice called for an en banc, which has the whole court vote on it. And then it got bounced back. They, they declined this bill. They said it's unconstitutional. Then it went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court upheld it. Now it's back. Okay, because they're fighting hard on other elements of this. So it, it's crazy. So, again, you just got to pay attention to these things. But they're they're gaming the system of voting. If you felt like there was something that was off as it relates to voter integrity in 2020, look at all the attention the DNC and the Democrats spent on voting laws. That should freak you out of your mind because that's where they want to win. They don't want to win with ideas and visions and ways to convert you to believe that they're the best to govern. They're doing it through gimmicks. They're doing it through infrastructure stuff. They're doing it through centralized control. And when they start to win that way, you talk about court packing. Why do you think they want to pack the courts? Control. Why do you think they want to make Puerto Rico and D.C. a state? Control. Manage a permanent, almost permanent Democratic majority in those in those if that happens. So you start to see these strategies. They just want to create the structure to win, and then they label it again. Racist, racist, racist. Here's a jersey. You need to wear jersey. You need to wear jersey. Racist, racist, racist. And the American public needs to wise up and say, hey, you know what? Come on, give me a break. Come up with something else. And even even Obama's campaign in 2008, the hope and change thing, that was masterful because it gave people, it inspired people to think about hope and change in their own way. And that was a real campaign that was not did not carry the mantra of racist. It was about visions and ideas. I didn't agree with it, but I, but they were he was able to compel and convert and to move people to vote for him, and he did it through this whole notion of hope and change. That that's gone on the D side. They just want to hate on everybody and tell them why they're better and why they sh- why they're so smart and they're going to give you everything for free. And again, we have to find our way away from that so that we can get as much momentum to be the best we possibly can as a nation. We teach the value of accomplishment as conservatives. I teach it to my children. I've said this before. When our kids go to compete, I say, what are you going to do? I'm going to try to win, Dad. Okay, that's right. I don't tell them, just go out and have fun. I ask my kids, is it more fun to win or is it more fun to lose? And they say winning. Okay, then go out there and try to have as much fun as you possibly can by winning. If you lose... And you try your best. It doesn't mean you need to be happy. You need to be able to keep your head high and realize you gave it your best. If you lose because you didn't try your best, you should be down on yourself. Okay? Because it is a competition. If you are of two goals set at either end and your job is to get the highest amount of goals to win, then win. If you need to run the fastest to win, run the fastest to win. You have no reason to feel happy outside of giving your best effort to win. And that that this whole notion of mediocrity and handing out the medals for participation just makes my head hurt in a number of ways because we're celebrating mediocrity and in the in the way of doing that 
while we sit in the shadows, we have countries like China, countries like Russia and everybody that are competing to win. And, we, and the EU at large is competing to win, and we need to protect ourselves the best we possibly can. We get back a little bit more of the same. We're going to shake it up with the other conflicts happening around the world. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham, and you're listening to 960 The Patriot. We were getting into the political aspects of everything that's happening around the country, the world, and some of the impact points, and our, our the necessity of getting engaged. I mean, here, Attorney Mark General uh, Mark Burnovich, Attorney General Mark Burnovich, that's actually fighting hard on the ballot harvesting to protect our state to make sure that we can maintain the voting integrity here. He's pushing them back against the audits. He's doing what he possibly can. Then you see different people that are fighting in different ways. One of the things that happened this last week, which I think is great, is um, Governor Doug Ducey put out an executive order that basically said to the universities here that you cannot mandate COVID vaccinations in order to attend school. And so, you know, where some of us may say, well, ASU didn't actually come out with that or some of the local universities did not come out specifically and say that yet. Guess what? It was likely going to come one way or the other from somebody. And he preempted it by doing this. I mean, my daughter is off. I mentioned to you that she headed to good old uh, Washington, D.C., and she's going to the American University. American University is a private school. And at that private school, they have a mandate. And the mandate is the students must be vaccinated to go. So what we did in this case is, again, we believe in empowering our children and letting them make the decisions for themselves. I have not been vaccinated. My wife hasn't been vaccinated. And uh, my son that's in the Navy has. And my daughter, who's attending American University, has. And she to make that decision, she went to her doctor. She had read a few articles. Um, there's something about this enlarged heart or inflamed hearts of some of the kind of younger adults that are getting the vaccinations and such. And she went in and she had questions. And she asked them. And she was confident when she left doesn't like the idea, was not planning on being vaccinated, but when they mandated it at uh, American University, she did it, okay? And so, again, that was her choice. She needed to make that choice for herself. It wasn't one that mom and dad needed to make for her either. So it is, it's interesting when you start getting to this point. And so this, uh, this article says, Ducey blocks universities from requiring vaccines, masks following ASU announcement. And so the, when he issued this executive order Tuesday, it basically today prevents Arizona State University from implementing planned requirements for unvaccinated students on campus this fall. So we'll see. I mean, there was no absolute definition of what the policy was going to be. But and I think part of it is, is public opinion, right? People are throwing their fingers in the air. You know, they wet their finger, throw it in the air, and they're trying to see which way public opinion is going and where people are. There are people that are extremely anxious about COVID still. And if they want to wear masks when they're driving in their car alone, they can. I saw a lot of people in Washington, D.C. that were walking up and down sidewalks wearing masks. Then I went to the Nationals game last night, and I don't think I saw more than like 10 people wearing masks. I mean, they weren't doing it. The, the mayor had lifted a lot of the restrictions and guidelines, even the contact tracing and all the things that the, the, all the restaurants and stuff were involved in. They, they lifted it, okay? So there are... Um, Again, people, I can never fault somebody for having anxiety over this disease or any of them, for that matter. It's their deal. It's in their head. 
But again, I don't want to feel like, you know, if it's a public entity that they're forcing me to do something like a public university or what have you, where my taxpayer is paying for this. People will cite privacy and things like that. I just don't like government pushing me around and I'm tired of it. So when you start looking at what's happening with COVID around the country, it goes, it ebbs and flows. People are saying you're in for another spike. We had a little spike after the spring break. Then it went back to back to some decent levels. Now it's spiking a little bit, but it's not bad. Here in Arizona, if you look at something called the r not number, and there's a website. Let me tell you what this website is. I think everybody should take a look. Epi Forecasts. So E-P-I-F-O-R-E-Casts. So forecasts.io. That website will show you every state, and it gives it color coordinates. It says light blue is it's decreasing. Dark blue is rapidly decreasing. Orange, light orange, it's it's likely increasing in that state, and dark orange, it's increasing quickly. And any number above one would suggest, or even at one, one or above, suggests that if you get COVID, you're going to give it to one person. Okay, so we see that kind of happening, and we see it going on. I'm looking at the state right now. There's only one, two, three, four, five states that are increasing. That's pretty darn good. And when I drove, and I think I have the best... You remember the old Vanguard commercial, they say, we don't just look and research an investment, we go to the investment. I just got done driving across the country from Arizona all the way to Washington, D.C., and I was able to get gas and stop and look and interact with people all across this country. And I would tell you that over 60% of the states that we stopped in, people were wearing masks in parking lots and inside establishments. Whether you support that or not, in those states, it was their prerogative and people were doing it. Can't fault somebody for wanting to do it. But I can fault the government trying to jam it down my throat. And so we'll be back and we're going to talk a little bit about corporations and them trying to force their employees to be vaccinated. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham, and we are here on 960 The Patriot. We're talking a little bit about COVID and some of the different tools that are out there to get a feel for where things stand as it relates to the nation. You know, one of the, again, I, I love the hypocrisy. And when we had Attorney General Brnovich on, too, he talked about, you know, limited government, federalism in every sense of the word and trying to keep the government out of our back pocket and in our front pocket and controlling everything that we do and taking away our rights on a number of different fronts. And there these different apps. So when when COVID hit, I worked, I was involved in these critical infrastructure meetings twice a week uh, with the White House and just got to listen through it. Again, I don't know why I was invited to these calls because there were a lot of big wigs on there that were part of the supply chain with food and such. I got very involved with the Navajo Nation with my son and doing supply chain work for the USDA, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and other charities that were delivering food on a daily, weekly basis up there and making sure it was getting to those that were in truly in need and so that it was getting done, okay? And it was pretty mind-blowing. But with this, we got these different tools that we were encouraged to use. And these apps, as we as you started kind of getting in them and you started looking at them, it was, it's pretty wild and crazy. But um, I'm trying to pull it up as we're talking here. One of the apps actually got to the point where we were, you know, you talk about tracking and there's been this big privacy thing with uh, Apple just reformatted some of their applications so that it actually asks you like, 
Do you want this app to be able to track you through the course of the day and things like that? There's different tools that are put on things, geofencing, geotargeting, and what have you. And, for instance, in Maricopa County, there is uh, there's a bunch of tools put out there. And so when we were talking about government tracking us, if this doesn't creep you out, I don't know what will. But it's important for you to know that this is out there. So bar visits, okay? How many people are vo- visiting bars? What's up? 17.54% in the last uh, week, I believe. Yeah, last seven days. Uh, restaurant visits is up just about a percent. So it didn't go hugely up. Uh, people wearing masks, hard to manage now. Vaccine acceptance is up 5.29% over last week. COVID symptom searches on Google, down 22%. Early indicators, COVID-related doctor, doctor visits, down 3.39%. COVID-like symptoms reported down 20%. COVID-like symptoms within a community down 10%. So then they have late indicators and all these going down. It's amazing to me. The other ones that were real interesting, they took these out, which I think were totally creeping people out, was how many people were staying out of their homes for three hours or longer. And the other one was how many people were staying outside of their homes for six hours or longer. And watching those numbers, so they figured that people were just in and out of their homes, they were doing the necessity thing, just trying to stay away from COVID as much as they could. The longer they stayed out there, do this. Well, that number just started to spike. And when I saw these numbers on here, they would show them, but they started to take them down. I, I really believe that people started getting uncomfortable with some of the data that was being shared because you had to throw a geonet over somebody's home. So here's the government using that on us, but people, again, are behaving more and more normal. I went to that ball game the other day. Again, it was probably a third at capacity, but it was fun to see people in line getting ice cream and pizza and hot dogs and sitting and screaming and high-fiving and stuff, and they weren't wearing masks and such. People could call that irresponsible. I call that being normal again. So much stuff has happened that it's it's impacted us and it's hurt us in a number of different places. I mean, to give you an idea, there's a major U.S. mall owner that just, they have, it's called uh, Washington Prime Group. And they own about 100 strip malls or malls across the United States, and they just filed for bankruptcy. And they 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 like they said it's the pandemic, the impact of the pandemic. Anybody that would question that, you're crazy, because people just didn't go to stores. I mean, these stores were having problems; they were having to close. I mean, it's just been this ripple effect that's happened across. But now we're starting to get the momentum back again. The economists hope that this is not a head fake; that we're getting real recovery. We got to get people back to work, get them off the dole. On off all of the unemployment and such. We and again, there are plans coming up here real quick where people are not going to have the federal funded aspect of their unemployment being paid through the state now. So these people are going to have less income coming. I think today. I think today actually may be the deadline. I believe it's this week. And so you're going to start to see these changes, and it's going to start putting in pressure on these individuals, and hopefully it'll push them back into the job market. There's about 9 million jobs that need to be filled in the U.S., and they're not having any luck filling them. So we'll see what happens as it relates to all of these moving parts and pieces as we get there. Now, again, you look at the impact points. You see what's happening. You see policy impacts. You see different things that are going on. You see the, the, the manipulation of markets. We saw the hijacking of the fuel. Remember we talked about energy earlier today, about how energy is one of the areas where if you can control that industry – you can control the economy and you can control the people. Well, now we have outside people that are hacking into it. Again, Russians, they're pointing at Russians and doing it. This last hack that just happened is in agriculture. They're hacking one of the largest beef manufacturing plants in the world. 
organization, a Brazilian organization, but they have facilities all over the United States or what have you, and they've hacked them and controlled them. And it's ransom jacking again. They're hijacking for ransoms, and they're starting to manipulate and muscle people around. For some reason, I don't know why we didn't hear about a lot of this when President Trump was in office. Again, the left wanted to beat him down. The media wanted to beat him down. But think about the terrorist attacks, the gun violence that's happened in our nation, what's happening with these cyber attacks, and all the encroachment by foreign governments and the emboldenment in, uh, that you're seeing with like Russia and some of these other countries, China for that matter, since Biden's been in office. I mean, look, you cannot stand at the top of the hill without people trying to pull you down. And if you don't have the muscle, the fortitude to stand there, or if you don't give them the perception that you have the muscle to stand there, then they're going to challenge it every day of the world. Putin's laughing about it. China, with what they did with Taiwan. If you look in the Mediterranean, the way Russia behaves around our naval ships, I mean, they are not bashful. They fly overs, they come up close, they do a number of different things to, to put pressure on our naval forces. So we're feeling it in places around the world. And, and you've got to recognize that it's a leadership dynamic that's happening. So as we look at the different aspects or the different hot points that we have in our country, I talked about earlier is the economies, like the agricultural aspect, the energy aspect, the financial markets. We see the manipulation here. We see what's happening with the cryptocurrencies and how they will evolve and see where they take us. And the big catch all right now is inflation. We've got to manage that and we've got to manage it effectively. But we've got to be careful because here comes the Dems. They're going to come in and constrict the money supply with raising taxes. So that double whammy may have a catastrophic effect on the long-term growth of our, of our economy. And if, if economists aren't talking about that, they need to be talking about that right now. Now you shift gears. You look at our national security, what's happening, and that really falls into free trade and the different positioning of some of these world powers. They're putting themselves in positions to start to influence our free trade zones. And if you don't, if you believe that our country just kind of overreaches and puts bases here and there because the, the good old America is just trying to reach out and be the best they can be and just influence us or influence the world, that's not the case. What we're trying to do is manage the free trade zones for the entire world. So, like, if you look in the different areas around Iraq and you see this Sea of Ramuz and, and, and what's happening in some of these places where they're pinching off trade zones, that is not an accident. Okay, they're doing it to interrupt the world and to get control and have influence. Again, a lot of people would like to sit at the table and they can't do it if they don't have strength and influence. And fear is one of the biggest ways to create influence. Again, it's Robert Graham. You listen to 960 The Patriot. We come back. We'll wrap it up in a number of different ways. But again, it's it's protection. It's growth. It's protection. It's protecting our conservative values and principles. And we have to do everything we possibly can to do it. If you don't know, you can't defend or protect what is of value? We'll be right back after the break. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham. You're listening to 960 The Patriot. We didn't touch on a lot of things because there's just so much to talk about. We look at the border. We look at, um, you just heard the commercial for Dreamhouse and the human trafficking that's happening. And then the drugs, oh my gosh, I'll tell you what, it is mind-blowing how we're under assault. 
And it seems so ironic how the Democrats preach all this protection for nature, and then they do nothing to protect us. They're just opening it up. Lord, take away accountability, defund the police. I mean, I could show you and we could talk about different stories as it relates to what's happening in New York with violence, in Chicago and violence, in Minneapolis and violence, even here in Arizona where our city council is going so far to consider doing exactly that and defund our police and such. I saw a picture of the New York subway system, and I couldn't believe what I was looking at. Look, I used to love going on the metro and the subway and stuff in New York. You get on there, you do your thing, you just kind of trounce around and do it. Now I wouldn't go on it because it's filthy. And the violence and crime that's happening in the subway system, I mean, think about it. They're out of sight, out of mind. There's fewer police officers patrolling, and the ones that do patrol are afraid for their lives and their livelihood if they do something a little out of whack and it gets put on a video and somebody gets accused of something. So policing as we've known it is changing because people are concerned with their own welfare. It's disgusting. People are openly doing drugs on the subway. They just leave their needles and their paraphernalia and their trash, the feces and the defecation that people are doing inside the cars on the subways at all time highs. If you look at the sanitation unions, they're getting ready to start striking because they're not getting any help. They're getting to that point where nobody's helping them and they're not being able to enforce. So when you have this kind of ecology of enforcement, you've got the law enforcement, you've got your your sanitation people, you've got other people that are down there, you've got your district attorneys, your city attorneys or whatever. Everybody's enforcing and doing things and managing the rules. This whole notion of law and order is real, really applicable to the entire food chain as it relates to good behavior. And so what happens is people get penalized for doing certain things. Now these crimes that are of a nonviolent nature in New York are getting just thrown under the rug. Even some that are violent are thrown under the rug. Drug offenses thrown under the rug. And they're just putting their back to it. Even these violent crimes that are happening. It is a sad reality when you've seen this great change over transformation of that city. That's one of the hardest things for leaders, especially in an office. They can come in and, and facilitate remarkable change like Donald Trump did. And then you get taken out of office, you lose your election, or maybe you're termed out, and look what happens. You see the disintegration of great policy and great progress that we've had because you have somebody that's not willing to carry the torch. And, and candidly, it happens with every organization, and we see it. And so how do you put it in place? This has been one of the biggest challenges for all of us. How do you put it in place to where we find strength and capacity that endures? The Constitution has been doing a pretty good job of it, but we have to protect it and keep these progressives from chipping it away. They're starting at local and state levels. They're more aggressive now than they've ever been. So protect yourself at home. Educate yourself. Educate your families, your communities. Fight hard for what we believe in. Use your mouth. Use the pen. Do what you can to protect ourselves. And let's vote the right people in the offices next time. Let's take back the control of the House and the Senate. This is Robert Graham signing off.